0: Our first reading from the prophet Zephaniah sounds wonderful. It's filled with hope. Shout for joy, O daughter Zion, be glad and exult with all your heart. You have no further misfortune to fear. But for these expressions of hope that come at the end of Zephaniah's book, we have to know the context in which Zephaniah was inspired by God to utter them Zephaniah, whose name means God protects, served as a prophet during the fourth century B.C. Thoroughly zealous for his nation's welfare, he was compelled by the Lord to boldly criticize the people for taking on foreign ways and returning to the most offensive sin against God, the worship of idols. The nation had experienced the loss of territory and prestige and interior social disintegration because it turned its back on God and the laws that God established for human happiness. Zephaniah saw that the fundamental problem was not political or economic, but spiritual. It almost always is. The people had lost their awareness of sin. Sin became so normal, it was no longer even recognized as sin. Everyone's doing it. It must be okay. Specifically, lying, pride, revolt against God, lack of faith. Lack of love. These are the evils that each person, as a free moral agent, is responsible for and have as their natural consequence the weakening of the individual, then the weakening of social cohesion, and ultimately the erosion of national strength and identity. And Zephaniah foresaw divine justice as inevitable. There would be a foreign invasion as punishment for the lack of faith over generations. And yet, despite the carnage and the terrible suffering that was about to be unleashed, it would be a time of purification for the nation, a time of renewal, God will never break his covenant with his people, but he will rebuild his people on a remnant that has remained faithful. Zephaniah reminds us of a fundamental truth about God. He is indeed merciful, but his mercy can never be separated from his justice. And God's justice required corrective punishment so that the people could be restored to a right relationship with him and then experience the mercies we heard. St. Paul tells the church of every generation, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, if that sounds kind of Pollyannish, consider that Paul wrote this when he was under house arrest in Rome. In the early stage of his trial, Paul was pretty hopeful there would be an acquittal, but Paul was a pragmatist. Knowing the Emperor Nero's increasing hatred for Christians, Paul was all too aware he could easily be condemned to death. Despite the horrible circumstances, despite the darkness, Paul wrote this letter to urge the church to never stop working to maintain its unity, to always be humble, and to continue to be generous in giving, come what may. These acts of mercy make Christ present to others. But Paul also warned to be on the watch for evangelists, who are more interested in lining their pockets than preaching the gospel. To be alert to those within the church who are teaching error and to brace themselves for persecution. Showing mercy does not mean being blind to the realities of the times one lives in to rise above the chaos and remain focused on what matters most, serving God by serving others. Despite all the struggles, says Paul, the believer is to rejoice in the Lord, for it is in rejoicing and giving God praise, no matter the circumstances the believer finds him or herself in. That is what gives the believer a peace which defies the logic of this world. In the gospel, we find John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord by calling people to a baptism of repentance. And many came, everyday people. Even tax collectors and soldiers approached John, asking what were they to do? This was a time of great messianic expectations. It was palpable in the society and the culture. The Messiah is coming. He would come and free the people from Roman occupation. He would restore the kingdom of David. And when they wondered if John just might be the Messiah, John made it clear he was not. But the one who was coming will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire, suggesting a spiritual revolution was about to take place. John avoided the language of politicians promising better times ahead. He avoided the language of those who pervert religion by seeking the death of unbelievers. He avoided the language of the militarists who sought conquest. Instead, John used the language of a prophet to call people to repentance to a personal conversion, to a personal inner transformation, to be in a right relationship with God and to express that inner transformation in one's moral life through acts of mercy. People, said John, were to share their goods. Tax collectors were not to take more than they were entitled to and soldiers were not to falsely accuse the innocent or practice extortion, common practices to supplement income. Performing acts of mercy is a sign of genuine repentance, genuine conversion of hearts, says John the Baptist, is how the Messiah should find those who await his arrival. This was the good news John preached to the people of his era. It still is the good news for every one of us, whatever our church, though we have the Messiah who came in time and history and we await his return to bring time and history to an end, may it be today, and call every human being into judgment. Nevertheless, until the Lord comes, each day is an opportunity for deeper conversion of heart and expressing that in the quality of our moral lives no matter what the powers of this world say or do. It is being in a right relationship with the Lord and sharing his mercy that allows us to experience here on earth a taste of true joy.